Hi, Trey. Hey, Trey. I got Ruben here with me. This is not the intro. Or maybe it is. Maybe this is the intro. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this week, we continue on with our one-on-one conversations. Uh, my name is Parker, and with me this week, I have the great Ruben Torres from Humphrey Street. Say hello, Ruben. Hey, everybody. Ruben's a roaster here in Nashville. Um, he and I actually work together at Humphrey Street, um, and we've been good friends for the past little bit, and we are excited to just spend some time and talk about uh, this this tasting journey that Ruben's been on lately. Um, he went and did a tasting course with the Balsic Brothers, like a Q grading course, um, and I'm super excited for y'all to hear about that journey and like what it means to be a great taster and really just a great roaster and coffee professional. Um, but first off, Ruben, I just want to hear a little bit about like your, uh, coffee journey, like where, what started you in coffee? Um, where did that passion come from? And like, talk, talk us through that. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you for all the flattering words. Yeah. They're very nice. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so I've been in coffee for a long time, and I've been very lucky. Um, I got into it not out of my own choice, per se. Uh, it was very much a kind of circumstantial thing. It happened, um, and I was approached about it. But it's a very different story than most people when it comes to how they found coffee. Uh, yeah. Most people, is they they're... Um, in college, and they need the caffeine, and that's the gateway into the coffee industry, basically. That was definitely mine. Yeah. Uh, but I got into it when I was younger. So I was in middle school, and I was involved with this organization called Harvest Hands. And that's the same place where I work now. Uh, so very much a, a story of being in a, a mission for, for the long run here. Um, but I was a middle schooler and the, the executive director, founder of the program approached me about, uh, roasting coffee. Um, and it was one of those things where, um, we're trying to figure out what to do with, with kids, with teenagers that don't want to do an after school program. Um, so what does that look like? We, we can roast some coffee. So. That that was a question posed to me. It's like, would you be interested in learning how to roast coffee? And uh, to me, that sounded like a very adult thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so I was stoked. I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to be roasting coffee. And that means I'm grown up. <laughs> yeah. Middle school are roasting coffee and drinking coffee all the time. That's a very, like, big, large step into adulthood. It is, man. And um, at that point, like, I started and I thought I was invincible because um just had coffee all the time had a bunch of energy all the time um which i don't know i'm pretty short so drinking that much coffee how <laughs> it might have something to do with it hits you hard hits me hard yeah. um yeah so we learned how to how to roast there uh, it was me and a couple other guys and i was the one that stuck with it um got the chance to go to sandpoint idaho uh, that's where Diedrich roasters are manufactured yeah um so if you are a roaster or know about roasting you probably have heard of Diedrich roasters um usually the roaster you run into in a lot of third wave shops or at least what the third wave roasters are using exactly yeah and they have come a long way um when they started 
the guy that designed it, um, Stephen Diedrich, an aeronautic engineer. Uh, so we can get into that later. <laughs> but uh, they, they're great machines. Uh, and we went there and learned how to roast from Stephen Diedrich. Uh, it's, it was quite the character. Yeah, from the man himself. The man himself. Um, man, and from that day on, just kept roasting. We didn't roast a ton um, when we started. Very yeah. small business, very mission-oriented. Um, and like I mentioned, it was very circumstantial. So um, I kind of did that. I thought it was cool, but didn't quite have the passion for it then. Sure. Um, and as I did it more, you know, kind of saw the adults, kind of how they got into it. And they started to delve more into brewing methods and um, the types of coffee there were. And once I got to about junior year in high school, it kind of dawned on me what what's involved in coffee, you know, yeah. the the bigger picture of the coffee industry, um, the impact that it has on farmers' lives. Yeah. Uh, and I really started to get into it. And and it was, I mean, it went from being like, I'm just roasting because I have to roast. Uh, and I can brag about being a roaster, you know, yeah. not many teenagers can, can say that, um, to being like, I genuinely care about the product. I genuinely care about, um, bringing out the best quality in the coffee and understanding what all goes into coffee, like where it's from the variety, coffee density, uh, processing. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, I mean, it was the main three processed coffees, you know, uh, washed semi-washed or honeys and natural yeah um and it wasn't until later on that i started to delve more into other things um other experimental things but but that kind of came along with the industry the industry kind of experimenting with that yeah and then people getting really hyped about it yeah the industry's grown a lot here in the past few years for sure so what is what's like your day-to-day -day look like now with um with roasting and and everything you do yeah I don't roast as much as I used to. So it went from roasting a good amount uh, when we had some things to roast to then growing the business uh, and roasting more that way. Uh, and I got the pleasure of teaching a lot of high schoolers. Uh, and I'll talk more about kind of what that entails. But yeah. now the majority of roasted coffee that we get out of Humphrey Street is um is done by um my roaster Kivante Daniels. He's he's been with us for a while and um we also have some high school students that do some additional roasting. Yeah. So that's that's um kind of our mission is to teach them to do that. And it's great to say like I'm pretty hands off when it comes to to production roasting. I'm very involved when it comes to coming up with profiles uh, sourcing green coffee. Um, so there's the little piece about roasting. I don't get to do it as much as I used to, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, I kind of miss sometimes. Yeah. Um, sure. but I get to do a lot of tasting of the coffee that is roasted. Um, doing that even more so now after going to, to that Q grader course, um, just a renewed passion there. Yeah. Um, and then the other parts are the day-to-day -day running a coffee roastery, um, which is not very glamorous. <laughs> it's a lot of emails and a lot of figuring out um, 
what the supply chain is doing because that's a big issue right now. Yeah. Uh, you hear me say supply chain, supply chain, supply chain a lot nowadays because it's like, what can you do? Yeah. We, Ruben and I have sat in a lot of meetings kind of scratching our head and looking at our bosses being like, I don't know, man, supply chain's pretty crazy right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, that's just part of it. And it's part of, you know, we, Ruben and I sit in a lot of meetings together to figure out kind of where we're headed and, and all kinds of stuff, which is it's a, a lot of fun. It is. Times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's meetings are meetings, but um, at the end of the day is like, this is, we're going places. This is a, uh, or a bigger thing that we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we like like we just said, we are growing. Uh, that's something that's very exciting. So a big chunk of my time is spent on kind of figuring out where is the roaster headed now? Like, yeah. how do we grow? Um, how do we roast more? How do we get more wholesale accounts? How do we uh, fulfill everything, you know, and scale up along with that? Yeah. Um, and then just working with with the guys that we have now, we've gone from it just essentially being me and my mom works there as well. So she runs mm-hmm. the the soap aspect of our business. Um, so just being the two of us to now having two additional essentially full time full time people there with us, yeah. um, one wholesale person. Um, and then some some other adult staff yeah. so, that we're managing. Yeah. Um, so we're growing and and that's great. Yeah. And uh, and honestly, we're learning as we go. Yeah. It's been really cool to come out of pandemic times and having been in a spot where it felt like things, you know, at times were kind of crumbling, but like we knew that they weren't. It just mm-hmm. kind of felt like that sometimes. And then yeah, um, post pandemic kind of you know we're obviously still not out of it but like getting back in the swing of things is um we're seeing like exponential growth which has been so cool yeah and it was kind of like we had good momentum going then you know it's that that wrench gets thrown in there and it's like oh man what's happening Mm -hmm. but somehow like we carry that momentum through once things calm down yeah which which has been really good it's been a little bit um surprising but in a good way yeah for sure yeah and we're just rolling with it it's just like hey this thing comes up let's do it yeah let's it's exciting i mean it went from being like really dead to like okay i've got all this kind of pent-up energy and like things that we didn't get to do so yeah uh, let's rebound it's a big difference from uh this time last year where we were like man it would be it sure would be great if we had something to do and now it's like hey we got to put some things on the back burner because we got too many things to do like it's (laughs) it's a really good change it is it is great well tell me about this key grading course that you did um who did you do it with? What what was it like day to day? Tell me some some stuff about it. Yeah. Um, if I want to start off by saying, if you are a coffee professional that has been doing this for, I don't know, more than two years, and you got an affinity for tasting coffee, I highly recommend that you do it. Like it is, it is pretty tough. It's intense, but what you get out of it even if you don't get the certification, because it is pretty tough. Um, like, it's it's just so great. It's invaluable. Um, the appreciation that you get for coffee, it's amazing. The networking that happens there, the relationships that grow. The coffee industry is already great with that. You know? mm-hmm. um, 
but they're specifically i mean those those people are are in it they're doing it because they're like very invested um so recommend that you look into that q grader uh, arabica so q arabica is would be what you're looking for with a cqi um, and you can find many different instructors what's cqi stand for uh coffee quality institute cool they're the ones that end up licensing you as a Q grader. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, I went to Charleston for this Q grader course. Yeah. It's uh, six days. Um, we started at eight and went all the way in until five or six. Six most days. Yeah, um, it's a long day. It, they're long days, man. <laughs> they are intense. Um, like camping. <laughs> like... <laughs> Stop Intense, it. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I need to add that to my repertoire. <laughs> um, you start off by looking at some basic stuff. Um, it's it revolves mainly around sensory, you know. So yeah. you're gonna be learning about um, acids. You're gonna be learning about some aroma kits. Uh, Lone is the main one that. We use and we test on it. So if you have a Lene kit, uh, which they're pretty popular, you're gonna do well. Um, yeah. It is a great tool to have, just in general. If yeah. you taste coffee, um, if you roast coffee, it's great to be able to identify and start working on that catalog yeah. of uh, just sensory words that you're gonna be using. Um, what do those Lene kits look like usually? Like, what do they have inside? Yeah. Yeah, so you will have 36 different uh, aromas. And it's uh, it came about from this one guy. I forget his name. But he essentially made a kit for wine. And he brought it to a conference, a coffee conference. Uh, and this was, like, way back in the 90s. Yeah. And people went crazy over it. And they were like, we need this for coffee. And he took it to heart. And just started to like really research what flavors are in coffee. What are we getting? Uh, and it's broken down into four sections. Um, so you have the enzymatic um, aromas, which are going to be mainly things that are created um, in the plant. Okay. And then you have sugar browning, which is those nice, pleasant flavors that come from roasting. Mm -hmm. um, you have... Um, dry distillation, which is once you're getting past uh, lighter roast, you start to break down the fibers yeah. of the coffee, and like you start more like charcoaly kind of rubber. Uh, a little bit. So that's actually a different one, but you will get you're working towards that. You're getting more cedar. You're getting licorice, um, and then you go to aromatic tastes, and so you start to get more rubber, yeah. smoke, things that are not as desirable. Cool. Now you can have a degree of those, and it'd be nice. You know, yeah. we have a coffee Sumatran that I describe as being cittery, being a little bit uh, smoky, uh, and I think it works really well with it. Yeah, yeah, but it's smoky in like the nicest kind of way, yeah. like a smoked brisket. You know, yeah. you want that smoke in there. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's kind of a, an overview of that, and you test on all those things. You're gonna be looking at acids. Um, sugars so actually uh, i'm gonna take that back 
sour, <laughs> sugar, and salty, yeah. different intensities of that, different combinations, and you have to identify what those are. Yeah. And name, say, like, you get this one that has uh, an intensity, three acidity, and intensity, one salt, and no, no sugar, no sweetness. Wow, yeah. Uh, you taste that, and you have to write it down. Yeah. And so you have to say, these are the components that it has, but not just like is is uh, sour and salty, mm -hmm. but is like this intensity yeah. of sour and this intensity of salt. Yeah. The the salt is really tough when it's at that intensity one. Yeah. yeah, it's more of a feeling. It's kind of like the ocean. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one of the tips that the instructor gave us. Was like try to feel more for it than taste it. Um. Once you get past the, the teaching, well, along with the teaching and kind of textbook um, lecture type stuff, you're doing a lot of practice. Yeah. So you go out and you're cupping and cupping. Uh, you go through, through the SEA cupping form. Okay. So you learn like how to score coffees. And as you're doing that, you're calibrating. Yeah. So it's not like a specific um, calibration in one session, but it's more like throughout the course. You're going to be doing different exercises that are going to build your overall sensory uh, capacity. And, and as you do those, you start to kind of calibrate with everybody else and with the teacher. Yeah. Now, what does calibration mean? Um, that means that you're speaking the same language. Uh, when you score a coffee, if you have a preference, you may skew towards one end of the scale more than the other. Um, and as a Q grader, you have to be careful because you have to be able to confront that with another Q grader, yeah. uh, one, and make it fair across the board. Yeah. Um, you have to kind of like take your personal bias out of it exactly. as much as possible. Exactly. Yeah. And like when I went in, I was, I was offset higher. So I was scoring things a little better than they should have. Yeah. <laughs> I was being too generous and I essentially compressed my skill. So I was working in a more compressed range. I wasn't going towards the worst stuff. Yeah. I was kind of keeping it in the like higher than average range, yeah. but I wasn't scoring anything um, on the ridiculously high end. Cool. Um, so yeah, you kind of like learn like, okay, well, that's my scale. I actually should expand it. I should be a little more on these other uh, scoring portions of that. Um, and as a Q grader, what you end up doing is you end up grading farmer's coffee. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a novelty or like a, okay, I'm just going to use that for the roastery and have that skill set. Uh, you're potentially getting in, um, farmer's coffee and giving them a score, which is their livelihood at the yeah. end of the day. So that's it's what's really, pressure. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so that's why they're, they're big on the calibration and the SEA. Um, form and scoring because yeah you, you have to be fair to them but also fair to everybody else yeah um so i mentioned there were six days first three are testing and practice and the last day uh sorry the last two days i'm messing up my days here <laughs> six yeah. we have three so that's half we have three left yeah all right back to math basics man let me take a sip of water the uh, two days after the practice and, and teaching is just intense testing. So you go from doing cuppings of three coffees 
to doing six at one time and scoring those and making sure you're getting everything correctly. Dang. And uh, yeah, all that's within an hour. Yeah. So it gets it's, pretty intense. It's like, you know, we did, we talked about leaderboard on the podcast. It's like leaderboard on steroids. It is. I actually like cupping, SEA cupping more because I don't have to act like I know where the cup comes from. It's a little more analytical. Yeah. Like you're grading different qualities of the coffee. Yeah. As opposed to trying to generalize and say, okay, these are the general characteristics. So mm -hmm. I'm guessing that it's from Central America. Yeah. From, you know, it's it's not like a sommelier. Sommeliers are, that's kind of what they do. Yeah. Uh, which Q graders sometimes get like, I guess it's the closest thing to like a sommelier yeah. um, type education that, that you get uh, or certification. Um, but it's it's much more analytical and there's there are numbers involved and uh, a lot of like what is in this one thing versus like, oh, these are the, the characteristics of the cup, which are um, from this one part of the world. Yeah, because ideally it's like you don't want to just have it be like Ruben's review of the Colombian natural coffee you want it to be like here's what any q grader would say that this coffee is rated at right like exactly yeah yeah and that's the whole goal of it is um we want to break barriers and i say we <laughs> i just did this uh but q graders uh the q grader certification the whole goal is to break those international barriers when it comes to to language um to what people are used to tasting yeah. uh, to a bias towards a specific kind of coffee because people that are in that one part of the world are tasting the majority is is their their own coffee yeah um we're very lucky in the states to be getting the best of the whole world mm -hmm. where most countries especially growing countries um they're getting the bottom of the barrel when it comes to what they're growing because every all the good stuff is being imported to yeah. us yeah. Uh, in europe so um, they're really just getting that one little section of what coffee can be when you go out and do the the Q grader cert um, and course. You're you get exposed to a lot more stuff. Um, I'm very intentional. Well, let me ask you this: so, like, obviously, if people out there could like go to these Q grading courses, you would totally recommend them doing that. Oh yeah, but like. What are some things that like the barista behind bar can be doing to kind of be better at tasting or to better help educate the baristas around them to like, here's how you can taste coffee kind of uh, less partially. And like, cause I, th I think that one thing that, that a lot of baristas run into, and we've talked about this several times is like, um, so often people's preferences get put at, attached to the quality of coffee where you walk into a shop and the barista always recommends the Ethiopian natural because that's their favorite or right. or whatever because you know it it tastes very good but like maybe from a quality standpoint maybe it's actually kind of like a mid-tier and they've got some higher quality stuff like what can people out there be doing to like go from being a really good taster to being a really great taster great question um the first thing is gonna be kind of the mental attitude. So you mentioned the bias, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's real, uh, especially when you are new. Uh, if you are a new barista listening, um, 
you know, we've all gone through the snobby coffee face. Yeah. Um, try to get past it. You know, I've been in coffee long enough to have gone through that. And then I'm like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, that's, that's the first thing. So go at coffee with a, a mindset of curiosity. Uh, try to explore great coffees. That's going to be easy. Uh, but also not so great coffees. Um, try to, you know, taste some Starbucks coffee. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, go and see what they're doing. Uh, and you start to build this, this catalog um, of tastes. Uh, specific to coffee when you're doing that now the other thing is going to be when you are eating anything right that's a sensory experience Mm -hmm. so take the chance to slow down and really take it in um you can taste and i and name what you've never put in your mouth or you have never smelled yeah right so if you don't try new things it's like you're not going to be building that um, that, that repertoire, repertoire. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, and you that's that's really big in coffee because there are so many flavors that you can taste in coffee. You know, and it can stay pretty limited to just what you've tasted. You know, like you know the French fries and burgers you usually get from McDonald's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, and it it can get kind of boring. It can get pretty difficult to name what you're tasting because you're like, there's this one quality that is kind of warm and like inviting, and I don't know what it is. I don't know what to name it, right? But if you've tasted that before, then you can put a name to it and say, oh, this is what it is. Now, this comes when it when you're trying to identify exactly what you're tasting. Um, when it comes to putting it into practice, right now you've built this catalog. Uh, this repertoire of words and taste and smells. Then it comes to like, how do you actually go about tasting um, and identifying those things in the coffee? Because it's not as easy as just like, I take a sip and it's just there. They're typically kind of hidden. Um, I'm going to take a page from the SEA and uh, how we taste things with cupping. Mm-hmm. And you can apply those to whenever you are tasting. But the main thing is going to be smell your coffee. Smell it before you you start brewing, right? So once you grind it, what does it smell like? What's in there? Uh, when you pour the water, you know, you're, you've got your bloom going, Yeah. right? It's like, what's happening there? Is there anything new, exciting? You know, maybe not. Maybe it felt a little flat after. Um, and then as you drink... One of the biggest things is going to be the experience as your coffee changes temperature. Yeah. Because you have different aspects of it coming on and off. Um, Acidity is going to be really nice as it cools. Uh, The body kind of increases. Um, I really don't like to drink my coffee right after it's brewed. I usually let it sit a good seven, nine, ten minutes. Yeah. Sometimes even more. And then it just goes down the hatch once it's that perfect temperature. That was one of the things that I feel like was the hardest shifts for me when we started doing a lot of coffee tasting was mm-hmm. waiting until it was like really, it felt like lukewarm to me. Mm-hmm. But because um, I used to drink coffee just kind of straight off the off the, <sighs> off the brew. That's intense, um, man. But now, like, I, I get it. Like, you know, when things cool, that's when you can actually taste them. And 
like if I drink something straight off pour over now, um, I'm a, the first thing I always say, and you've heard me say this a hundred times, is like, mm, tastes like hot. Tastes like hot. <laughs> tastes like Except. hot. Because you know, like the flavors haven't haven't settled yet, and um, yeah, waiting and and having that patience for it to actually like settle into itself mm-hmm. and be able to fully expose its flavor is is a huge deal. Yeah. It's really big. The other thing is going to be like when it's that hot, you have a lot of water evaporating. Yeah. So that's going to be the main factor of like what you why you can't perceive as much. It's just kind of like it separates and the nuances are vapors of the coffee mm-hmm. that are coming up, right? Volatile compounds that you're perceiving and you're not tasting in your mouth. You're tasting those in kind of that uh, mostly retronasal cavity. Uh, it's kind of hidden up and around, up in the nose. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it, it tastes hot. Yeah. It's just steam going yeah. up there, right? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, wait for it to cool down. Learn to to taste um, over a longer period of time, mm-hmm. right? Now, I do have my sweet spot where I like it there. Yeah. But I do explore sometimes when it's a little hotter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I let it get to room temperature. and It'll, it'll surprise you sometimes. Like, yeah. Wow, that's a very different coffee that I had, you know, five minutes ago. Yeah, totally. So that's something I always make sure that we do in our tastings. Like I make it kind of like a, a sea level priority, but like we do kind of taste things when they're a little bit too hot, just because I know, I know customers do that. They want to taste it straight off. <laughs> yeah. And so we're like, oh, we need to be conscious of that just to, exactly. just to make sure that, that they're getting what they want out of their coffee even though it's too hot you gotta get that you know extra hot drip and the extra hot vanilla latte let people love some hot drinks yeah and that's a great point of like what is your customer tasting yeah you know so kind of you can gear it towards that sometimes um and just explore that that's the main thing is that curiosity that exploration of coffee that's what's going to make you better yeah uh it takes practice uh, it takes intentionality. Um, if you're at that point where you're like, I've been doing it for a while, but it's still hard. Um, one of the one of the things I've learned most recently is you got to be confident in what you are tasting. You know, I'm tasting something that is, um, it's light, it's vegetal, it's you know, it's kind of dirt. It's you know, whatever it is that you, that you're tasting. Just put it down, write it down, right? And move on, move on to the next flavor, the next quality of coffee. And as you kind of take those sips and you're tasting it uh, little by little and through that temperature range, you're going to start discovering more and more things. So that really paints a better picture of what the coffee is than to just um, try to take one sip and describe it. right then. And sometimes I kind of feel like I'm not verbalizing what i'm tasting as much when you guys ask me and that's because of that i just feel like i can't really get the full picture like just with the first hit. like yeah. um more than anything especially when it's hotter i focus on the texture how does it feel in my mouth how does it you know yeah. um has what's the aftertaste the aftertaste is going to be pretty prevalent when it's hotter yeah. so that's a good indicator uh typically like kind of that fitness test of 
you know, is this coffee brewed well or roasted well, or what is the quality of it? Yeah. If all of those, you know, your brew and your roast is right, but then your is still tasting off, that's not such a great coffee. Yeah. You know? And you're gonna notice it ninety um, percent of the time in the aftertaste. Yeah, and it's important to verbalize those things too. I mm-hmm. think like there's so many times that we've walked into tastings either like we we sample roasted something ourselves that we're excited about or we bought a bag of coffee from a different roaster that we were excited about. And like we go into those tastings and we like anticipate what it's supposed to taste like. And so we were like, Oh yeah, that's super fruity and super, (laughs) super balanced and whatever, whatever. When (laughs) in actuality, yeah. When actuality, like it's, it's kind of thin or it's like a little roasty and right. You know, maybe it's just a bad roast or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But verbalizing those things and be like ah it's it's actually a little off mm-hmm. for these reasons and having someone else confirm that i think is really valuable to to not let that bias sink in of this is an ethiopian natural so it's got to have a full body sweet yeah. body, sweet taste to it you know right yeah and it comes back to that repertoire of of um coffee taste and just kind of like what how do you perceive it if you're never verbalizing that this tastes off, then it's not going to sink in. Yeah. And eventually, like, I mean, the, the mind is a powerful thing. You're going to verbalize, verbalize those bad tastes. Um, ask your roaster, you know, if you work with a roaster, uh, what's going on? You know, if like, hey, is this supposed to be happening? Is it supposed to taste like that? You know? Uh, Parker's always blaming me when things go wrong. It's yeah. never his brew. Yeah. It's always well, my roast. Ruben always blames me, so it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a tick for tack. So. Um, no, but yeah, working with, with whoever is that step behind you, it's always um, good practice because you, you get to learn a lot. Yeah. That, you know, um, oh, the coffee ended up being baked a little bit. Yeah. You know, it, went, it was over roasted. Yeah. Great. Well, actually, not great, but uh, <laughs> at least you know what it but is. But at least you know what it is, and you can name it in the future, and you can like kind of take it out of the equation. Okay, I'm tasting this; uh, that tastes baked. But what else is in there? Yeah, yeah. Because really, like you said, you got to work with the person who's the step behind you. So, mm-hmm. like the brewer. Well, even to put him even forward than that is like the customer works with the person brewing it, and the person brewing it works with the roaster, and the roaster works with the farmer. Um, so hopefully you get from farm all the way to customer with it tasting like it's intended to be. Exactly. And it's tough. Yeah. And it's like if you've ever played uh, telephone. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens is the coffee goes from the vision of the farmer to whatever the next person does. Yeah. And and then that just gets, it potentially gets worse and worse. You yeah. Know? So it's, you can, you can take a, carbonic maceration coffee and then go to the roaster and massacre it and (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know double crack that thing and then it tastes really bad and yeah um, you know vice versa you could also take a a, what was supposed to be kind of a generic coffee and make it taste really good if you're a good roaster Mm -hmm. and so hopefully yeah you get more of that yeah and that's where like going back to aroma kit like it it, you can only add uh, certain things at certain stages, right? So yeah. you've got those sugar brownings. You can improve it if you're like, well, it doesn't have a lot when it comes to enzymatics. Um, 
you know, those florals, fruity notes. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna really develop those sugars and make it a little bit sweeter, make it more caramelly. Um, now, if a coffee just doesn't have those, like, building blocks to get the caramelliness in there, then that's a different story. Right. Uh, but if you're getting a decent coffee, maybe it's not great. Uh, you can still fix it uh, with the roast and make it work cool. Put it in a blend. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you always need a good base for the blend. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'll be sending everybody bills for the consultation here, the tips that I'm giving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just let us know what your fee is. We'll be happy to to oblige. Oh, yeah. and get that just anybody that listens to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Ruben, tell me just a little bit. I know that the listeners have heard kind of me talk about Humphrey Street just a little bit, but I would love for you to talk about kind of what Humphrey Street does and, um. You know, even it would be kind of cool to hear you talk about like what we're excited about for the future. Um, so yeah, just give us a little lowdown on Humphrey Street. Yeah, um, Humphrey Street. Uh, we are a social enterprise nonprofit, um, and we are the social enterprise of uh, Harvest Hens. So Harvest Hens is this community development uh, corporation in South Nashville. And the whole mission is to really work with the community um, and just offer opportunities. What we do in the social enterprises, we offer kind of that economic development opportunity. Uh, we specifically work with teenagers, so high school age kiddos, and just try to like have a space for them to be at, um, but also give them the tools that they need to be successful when it comes to working. Um, so even though this is coffee that we do, uh, we also work with handmade soap. Um, it's not just the coffee specifically or the soap specifically, is what's behind it. What makes specialty coffee so great? And so the love and intentionality and effort that is put into it by the farmers, by the importers, by the roasters, the baristas, uh, those are all things that we're trying to teach our students, you know, um, have passion for what you do. Um, and then more basic things as well. Just like, hey, you've never had a job. Yeah. You're supposed to be here on time. You know, you're supposed to call if you're not going to show up. Here's how you sweep uh, the floor. This is exactly. <laughs> um, and we like to go a little beyond that. Right. So um, we are also doing financial literacy classes. Um you know, the pandemic has been a little weird, so we haven't been as active in that recently. But that's one thing that, like, when it comes to to people earning money for the first time, mm -hmm. you got to teach them how to manage it. Yeah. You know? Um, and we've grown from a little tiny roastery using a Nesco roaster from, like, Walmart or something um, that makes a ton of noise, sets your fire alarms going. Um, so now having two Diedrich roasters, uh, one that's a 15 pound capacity, the other one's a 26 pound capacity. Yeah. Um, and, and just trying to expand a little more. Uh, we also have our coffee shop. Yep. Um, if you're in Nashville, hit it up Humphrey street. Come on by. Come on by. Say hi to Parker. Yep. Um, and about to open another coffee shop as well in the heart of of Nashville on Broadway. Um, so, I mean, we've got, we're growing a lot. Uh, like we mentioned, we really 
rebounded from COVID. Um, we're growing our wholesale accounts, which has been really exciting, um, at least for me. I mean, for everybody, but yeah. but it's one of those things where it's like you see this company when it was tiny, and like I mean, we were we were playing rock band at the beginning more than roasting coffee, honestly. <laughs> Uh, to now is like, all right, we have, we have 16 students that are working with us post pandemic. Uh, I guess we're still in it, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. And barely uh, any time. For and barely any time, man. Honestly, we should breathe. <laughs> um, so we're growing that we're working with, um, some really nice people here in Nashville to see like where we go um, and offer more coffee in more places. Yeah. It's been great. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll be opening a third or fourth location. Um, but, but I mean, the, the goal here is to grow the business to where we can hire more students. And that, that's the whole mission is, uh, is we exist to employ teenagers in the community uh, to roast coffee. We don't exist for um, to hire them just to yeah to roast for us, you know? Yeah. The whole purpose behind it is employment, which is just employment, cool. exactly. If um, if people out there want to grab a bag, which bag do you recommend right now of our, of our multiple different orders? You know what I'm going to say. I know, I That's a trick question. So we have this really delicious coffee. Uh, it's from Ethiopian. It's an anaerobic process. Uh, when I first got it, it was kind of tricky because the importers didn't know what it was. I actually, when I was in the course, I talked to them about it because it was at that importer's right, place. Right, right. And it's like, we were so confused because <laughs> uh, they didn't get a lot of info. But it's an anaerobic, natural process yeah. Ethiopian coffee called Borka Sakara. It's this really delicious, just super fruity, punchy coffee. Um, is it's out of this world so yeah. we haven't had one like that in a while yeah. it genuinely i've only worked on street for three years now but i think it's my favorite one that we've had come through the place right. and it's it's super good and y'all should check it out well reuben thank you so much for being on the podcast with me um and for telling the people all about tasting hopefully y'all get out there and um either get on and get on one of those key grade courses if if your coffee shop does like education and stuff like that, or convince them to buy one of those aroma kits, like that, that kind of stuff, like the aroma kit for me has been incredibly valuable and in just being able to perceive these small notes within coffee. And it really just kind of like Ruben says, it bolsters up your repertoire of coffee. And so, um, and hop on Humphrey street website and buy a bag. And if, if you haven't tasted one of those origins that we offer, like grab that one. Um, but guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please leave a five-star review and uh, give us a little like shout out on Instagram. Uh, but thank you so much and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, Trey. Bye, Trey.